Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Podcast Little Fell, the fan call-in show. We weren't able to resurrect it on a weekly basis because we're just not as dedicated as Matt. That's just really what that comes down to, I think. But we did want to do a final season wrap-up, give everybody a chance to call in and say hello. Um, I've not done this before, so here to be the guy who's comfortable being on a microphone is my colleague, DJ Tim Hines. How's it going, buddy? Very good, very good. Hello, fans of podcast Winterfell, Game of Thrones. Uh, glad you decided to stick with us. If you uh, jump ship from other podcasts or you're just picking us up and uh, getting into us, this will be a little bit different than what we've done most of this season. Um, some of us, some of you guys fans, you know, you know about different podcasts, where we came from, things we've been involved with before. So you kind of know that there's a fan call and show. Uh, if not, this will be your introduction to one. You can call in, uh, talk to you, 138-415-POUND. That's our feed right now. Uh, most likely to, it could stay the same for next season, but we might upgrade to better, bigger and better servers. But for now, we're talk shoe clowns, getting it down. And, uh, yeah, this, it's been a good season. It's been a fun season, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of stuff we do like, stuff we don't like, and we're going to get into it a little bit. So if you know anybody that's down, shoot them a text, tell them to call in, and let, them, you know, let us know what they think, what you guys think, and uh, let's get into it, Mikey. Yeah, we are. There There will be a uh, noticeable difference in audio quality from at least the last couple episodes. Um, we're using TalkShoe tonight, so uh, it basically enables us to allow everybody to call in. So we're losing some as far as, uh, t- as, far as sound quality goes, but we are gaining the opportunity to talk to the people uh, and not have to have everybody on Skype because that would be a mess. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think about the season overall? Uh, how would you rate it in terms of, you know, how would you rate the five seasons? Well, uh, I really I really love season three and four. So I'm going to put this one right after it and right, and right before uh, season one. And two would probably be the, the, you know, the least. But, you know, I've, I've stated before that this show is a, on another level. So, you know, really ranking them last doesn't mean like wow it's bad last just means like you know it didn't wow me like the other seasons but it's all amazing content um but the this season was was okay there was some uh santa's lemon cakes that i had thrown at some things but i you know i got really overexcited for certain things uh like dorm which was sort of a letdown but you know the story was there uh the information was there so, uh, you know, I enjoyed that part. Some people had, uh, had said, you know, I think in the beginning of the season we were on a fan call-in show, and someone said that, you know, one of the episodes had had played out like you were reading it. And I kind of got that from this season. Like, it was a big information dump, which was well-deserved because we've been, you know, pacing with these characters all along for these four seasons, and then now we're actually coming to a head Things are getting done. Um, people are moving around again, which always happens in the show. More pairings. Uh, so yeah, this season, this this season will probably be the average right now in the middle compared to the others. How about you? Uh, I 
I really liked this season. I felt like the uh, man. If, I don't know to what extent it's my it's influenced by having read the books in between season four and season five, but um, I really enjoyed this season quite a bit. I, I think that the way that it was interpreted from the books uh, in general, I liked. I liked Sansa in Winterfell, and that was a big part of it. I didn't think Dorne was particularly well done, but I didn't think that was because of the interpretation of the book stuff, uh, you know, because I think the ideas were there, it just somehow the writing just wasn't, for whatever reason, I don't have any idea why. Um, but I think that I would probably rate, uh, you know, I, I went back and watched quite a bit of season one, and, you know, I, every time I go back and re-watch it, season one actually falls in the ratings for me. I saw season one still rated really high for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, sure, there's definitely some nostalgia about it, but if you sit and watch it um, in relation to what we've seen since then, uh, you know, it really is just, I don't know. Um, I So, in general, I think it was a pretty good season. I think uh, I probably rank uh, season two as my favorite, uh, season three, second, season five, season one, season four. So that's my that's my general ranking. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things that I feel like is constantly subject to change. You know, I, I mean, I might have, when we talk about this tomorrow, I might have a different attitude about it. So, but. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree. I agree with what you say about season one a little bit, how it's nostalgic. Um, and it was also the first, we you know, we were introduced to, a show of this quality, of this level of production. And then there's also the, you know, the Ned thing that, like, nobody had ever seen anything or experienced anything like that so shocking on television. Uh, you know, so that that leaves uh, season one, you know, high for a lot of people. But, like, you know, I agree with you. Once you, you know, you rewatch it and piece it with everything else, they did so much more. I mean, in, in the other seasons, it, it, to me one of the best episodes ever is the Battle of Blackwater. And, and that that just, like, elevated the show to another level. And, and just, that'll always stick out to me, you know. So I see things like that, and if you compare them a little bit, they you know, they obviously they got more funding, you know, when they renewed and, and, and uh, re-upped for the show. So you can just tell, you know, they, they put it to good use. Yeah. Well, you know, I think another thing that that doesn't really get remarked on very often, and that I wouldn't really notice, but uh, my lady pointed out, she's read, she's been reading fantasy stuff from the very beginning, and when the, you know, for most of her life. And so when I sat down to watch the show, she was like, "No, we got to watch this thing," and I was like, "Whatever, dragons, blah. you know." And I just basically sat down because I love her and don't want her to leave me. Um, and then you get to the end, you know, and he pushes. Bran out the window, and it's like, wait a minute, what just happened, you know? And it, But it wasn't just, HBO had done, you know, high production value shows before, but not of this style. And from what it seems from what she says, there hadn't really been a, a fantasy-related television show on this production level, um, especially not, you know, kind of lords and ladies and guys on horses. That type of stuff is usually really, um, has been, you know, like one of her favorite book series, fantasy series, the Sword of Truth series, got turned into a television show. And it was on the CW, and it was everything you think Game of Thrones on the CW would be, which, of course, is just completely terrible, <laughs> you know. 
Um, so, you know, I think that you can see through, like, Lord of the Rings and things that there is an appetite for that type of material, um, you know, at least in film. So I think that to see it, you know, to see it really be put on television in that way was something that a lot of fantasy fans especially had never experienced. So um, I think that helps, you know. I think that's part of why, part of the kind of nostalgia for season one. But, you know, Robert and Ned were good, man, but Jamie now is just so much more interesting than he was then. Cersei now so much more interesting than she was then. To the point that, you know, I mean, I miss Cass less and less because the characters that we know have gotten so much more kind of vital and things happening with them. So, anyway, that's enough of my season five roundup. Uh, Do you have anything else on this season, or should we start talking to some other folks? Uh, Yeah, let's bring in some other folks, and we'll hear what they they have to, you know, say, and then we'll uh, talk, talk it around. All right, uh, so this is the podcast Littlefell fan reaction call-in show for the end of season five, and uh, it is myself, Michael, with DJ Tim Hines. We are missing uh, W. Axel Foley, the Grand Maester, Peace Solo, and what is Donald again? Donald has to be the beheader, isn't he? I feel like Donald Donald is supposed to be... The Master of Whispers. There you go. Well, then he should be, get the second half, which is the beheader. Uh, and also Donald Jr. Uh, but, you know, you can catch all those guys on the initial reaction show. Heath and Axel will be doing uh, their podcast, Little Fell, soon. I think tomorrow maybe was the, the chatter. And uh, I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing in the off season. We've been batting around different things as far as some rewatch possibilities and um you know, kind of going back through some of the material, Axel might actually start reading at least the first book. So, you know, there's going to be some things happening in the off season. We don't have anything specific uh, down the plan yet. So let's start with Clinton, who called in uh, just a little bit before we got started and has been waiting patiently. Clinton, how you doing? Hi, how's it going, Mike? It's going great, man. I've never done this before, but so far it's been fun. Hey, neither have I, but you're doing a great job. It's it's, it's an (laughs) honor to be on here with two legends, Mike and DJ Timmy (laughs) Hine. Thanks, man. Thank you, Tim. What do you want to to say about season five? Well, I got to say it was my my favorite uh, so far. Of all the seasons. Of all the seasons, yeah. Because it's, I guess, started pretty... That's after season two, and uh, then I had to go back and catch up. And season five just hit some real emotional highs for me. My hard home was a crazy experience. When John cut that White Walker down, I jumped up and pumped my fist, and my friends and I were all yelling like I were at a football game. Uh, and then this episode here, just after falling in love with Jon Snow this season, seeing him go down, ooh, that was a tough one, tough one to take. And then finally seeing Arya knock someone off her list, was big, <laughs> and in a, in a brutal, vicious way. I didn't, I didn't even expect it to be that. I, I knew it was going to be brutal, but it was, it was even more brutal than I thought. Did but, it make uh, sense for you? That uh, does it make sense that she tore, uh, tore, tore out uh, Sir, Sir, Mand- Sir, what is it, Mandan, <laughs> Marin? Sir, Marin, Sir Marin, 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 yeah. I mean, just yeah. that level of brutality. Did that level of brutality make sense for you? Did that make you cringe? Did it? Did you enjoy it? 
It made me cringe, but it did make sense. That's, that's been, uh, I think it's been coming for a long time for her. She's, she's really built up a crazy amount of hatred. And just to, to put that knife across his neck so slowly, I couldn't believe that. Well said. <laughs> she, she, she savored it. She savored it. <laughs> so this is your favorite season. How would you rank the the uh, the others? Well, four was really high for me. I thought that uh, tier, uh, the very last episode of four was was just incredible uh, with Tyrion's escape. Uh, um, and then uh, let's see, and you also had. Arya and the Hound getting up with Brienne and Pod. Well, that was that was a great scene. And then so four was big for me. And then I'm with you on season one. I I loved it when I watched it for the first time. And now when I go back and watch it, I just see Ned making all these dumb decisions. <laughs> now just in hindsight, but I right. you know they made sense of course. And I was with him all the way at the time. And now I feel like I've my mind's more like little fingers than Ned's now, as we're watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, That's when, yeah. Can, can I ask you, you mentioned before that you started on season two and then you went back and watched one? Well, no, it was season two was out and my friends were all watching. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm in. This is this looks like it's up my alley. And so then I went back to one, did that first, and oh, then okay. caught up to where they, everyone else was. That would have been an interesting uh, perspective to start on two, two and go back. But uh, no, that, that, that's great. You got on board and, uh, you know, I, it's cool. What you, had to, what you think about the season rankings? Now you feel that you think that Arya uh, is going to finish that training there, and she's going to and she's going to stay there, or do you think she's going to break off and do her own thing? Uh, I think I think it well. It turns out that I think she was in over her head a little bit there. Uh, this is some, there are some real serious guys. I don't even know if that Jock and Hagar is the same Jock and Hagar from Harrenhal. You know, um, I don't even know if there is. There, I guess there really isn't a Jock and Hagar. If like, if you really want to become no one, you got to be able to. You know, be any be be no. You want to be, that makes sense. If you want to be no one. You're going to be no one. <laughs> and she's not. And she's never. I don't think she's ever going to get there. But she's got to go. She's got to go. You think she's you leave. leave there? Or you, oh, okay, all right. She's got to leave because I I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't trust. Uh, well, I, I see what they want to do to her, and I don't want her to become that. And I don't think she wants that either. To become an absolute what? no one. Why? What makes you say that? Well, because, uh, well, the sword, <laughs> she's still holding on to a little bit of herself, which is symbolized by that uh, by needle in the rock there. And she also made sure to tell Sir Marin, Sir Mandy Moore, sorry, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that she was Arya Stark. You know, she didn't, right? She made sure to tell him that. So she's definitely not no one. Yeah. Well, there is, I mean, there is one theory that she kind of, you know, is basically just needing to check off her list, you know, and once right. she gets her list banged out, then she'll be ready to go on and become a proper faceless man. So do you think that has any, uh, do you think that has any merit or you just think, you don't think so? You think she's going to be gone? Well, I, I, that makes sense, but I feel like if she goes out, she sets off back to restaurants to check things off her list, the list is just going to grow and grow and then will never end. <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I see her coming back to restaurants, and I don't. I don't see her going back. Yeah. What? Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Hard Home. Um, you mentioned that that was particularly affecting for you. Do you think? I mean, did you see that coming? Have you? What did you think of Jon Snow's leadership this year? 
Well, it's been the best it's been so far. Uh, when I go back and wa- I went back and watched one and two again, he was just, you know, I didn't even like him back then. And then he, and the way he's grown, you know, his last two seasons plus is, has been, you know, he's kind of like, uh, he became my, he became one of my favorites and he killed it at hard home. I thought, uh, I, I thought it was just an avalanche coming down. I'm like, Oh, it was an avalanche. And I was obviously naive that, uh, those were the whites and he, you know, he kicked ass. He, we, we saw long, long claw do what it's supposed to do. He, he didn't know. I didn't know, but, uh, Watching that guy shatter was was pretty was pretty sweet, and then uh, teaming up with uh, you know our big uh, Giants Bane guy Tormund, that was a lot of fun to watch. And he think he played all his cards right, except with the Night's Watch fellow brothers. Do you think he's dead? What's your take? Yeah, I definitely do. I I thought about it. I see. I know a lot of people think Melisandre is going to bring him back, but, um, you know, I think we haven't seen her do anything like that. The only thing we've seen her do really is that Shadow Baby, unless you think the leeches uh, actually caused those deaths. And uh, that was, and the only person we've seen, some, uh, the only person we've seen use the Lord of Light to bring someone back was Thoros of Mir. And he didn't even know he could do that. And I think, it, I think he only could because he loved Beric Dondarrion so much. And, uh, that was that seems like kind of like the light side of the Lord of Light, and then the dark shadow side is what Melisandre did. So I, I really don't think she has that kind of power. Yeah. And well, I don't know who else to bring him back. The, the end, the end scene of, with her when she's in uh, Castle Black. I mean, she just looks so broken. Like she yeah. looks like she's she's almost like in disbelief of her own fate. So it, it, you know that look alone is enough to really throw a curveball to the people who think that she's going to bring John back. Because if she's questioning her faith, you know, maybe she's not really a true believer. Maybe, she, you know, she could just be going along with this, you know, because someone taught her some parlor tricks, you know, or she could just be in shock that she was wrong. She could still have the power. I mean, it, I, I really love the open-endedness of, of the season with John, you know, because even though he's dead, Almost, I, I would say almost likely, but there's still that little inkling of a chance that he could come back because of the, all the foreshadowing that right. he's done in this show. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. You know, I was really expecting uh, poor Serene's burning. I don't even want to bring it up, but I was really expecting that to actually, there's something big to come from that, actually, for Melisandre to show us some new crazy power. And then when we didn't see that, I was I was pretty surprised. And then... I think, and she when she left, I was like, "Wow, she's she's not as par- powerful as I thought." And uh, and then, like you said, that face and Castle Black said it all almost. But there's still, but there's still that tinge, you know, that maybe something will happen. But I'm not going to go with the tinge. Well, you know, the only, I mean, I definitely have that same feeling. The only thing I've heard to counter that, which I, I believe Axel brought up, and and Guest Fix just mentioned in the chat, is. You know, but according to Thoris's own telling, he was at his lowest point the first time he actually brought him. You know, he actually brought uh, Dondarrion back, and you oh, know, that, so is that really might good. be yeah. You know, so that might actually be one of those things where we are all watching her at the bottom of her, you know, at the bottom of her experience, and now she's she will be reborn in the fire. I don't personally think so. I think he's dead. I think that we will. <laughs> 
see Jon Snow, you know, live on somehow. I don't know how, but it's hard for me to believe that, that you know, he's going to be resurrected. And, you know, it's also, is that for sure what we want to have happen? Because that's one thing that that Thoros and, and Beric both, you know, basically said, is that every time he did it, he was a little less. You know, there's that scene where they're in the grotto with Arya, and they're basically explaining, uh, I don't remember what season it was in, but they're, you know, they're basically kind of explaining it. And he says, you know, he's not as good. Each time he's not as good. So that's one of those things that, like, it seems to me like it might be even harder to watch Jon Snow. I heard somebody else say he might be, um, he might come back as like a white, you know, and be like the the, the Night King's hand or whatever, you know. <laughs> and I don't know, that might be even harder than watching him die, watching yeah. him come back in, in a way like that, you know, where he's either rotting or somehow not himself. Talk well, about losing the, the Stark side. From what we what we have known to understand, if you don't burn the body, they're going to become a white. And how could those, that small little group that took John out explain to the rest, oh, yeah, we're going to have a big pyre and burn John because he died? <laughs> you know, if the guys who are, like, with him aren't really going to be down with that, and it's going to be mutiny everywhere. So it, I can't see them burning John. So, you know, if he is dead, I would see him going, you know, turn into a white. Oh yeah, that makes that makes sense. I, I was wondering where Ed was, and of course we were wondering. You guys were wondering where Ghost was, but yeah, now I can see maybe he he turns into a white because they're not going to burn him. Then he runs into Melisandre as a white, and she's at her lowest point, looking into the blue eyes of a white Jon Snow, and uh, that's when maybe that's when the Lord of Light says, "Okay, here you go." Great. So Ed and Ghost are off having a piss while Jon's getting stuck in the guts. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, the whole half that voted for him, I guess. <laughs> hey, Quentin, I'm going to jump over and bring Donald on uh, and uh, see what he's got to say. Is there anything else you want to throw in? We're going to bring everybody, you know, we'll have everybody together at once to kind of give a wrap-up later. Um, is there anything to talk about? All right, bring him in, bring him in. All right. Very good. Thank you very much, Quentin. We will be back to you soon. And let's bring in Donald. How's it going, Donald Noy? Hello? Hello? Am I low quality enough now? (laughs) Here's this guy. can't hear you. How's it going? It is the aforementioned beheader, Donald Jr. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Good to see the call-in show is back. Exactly. What do you have to say that you haven't gotten out in the public already? If you people aren't following Donald Jr. at Donald Jr. on Twitter, uh, you're missing out. No, they're not missing much. But uh, uh, is it just open to the entire season, or are we talking about the finale here? No, we're talking about the whole season. And, you know, also interested in how you think this season stacks up to the others. That that's very interesting because to me this season, this season almost it didn't have any direction, and when I look back at it, I'm I'm thinking well a lot of stuff happened, but I, I feel like the other seasons were more cohesive, and they seem to have a definite arc and a definite theme. I think a lot of the um the previous seasons had the theme, and that's something that this season didn't really have. Um, the one the one thing that I do think that it had was the 
between Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen, I think that's her name, uh, I think that they did a good job showing the parallels between those two. And I heard someone, the person that was just on the call before me, uh, was saying that Jon Snow was probably the best leader that he was, uh, you know, since the beginning. And I, I think that's really funny because sort of the same thing happened to him that happened to Daenerys, except they actually killed him. So I, I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe there is no right thing to do because I'm very hard on Daenerys about, well, if she does stupid things, she's naive, and, and this and that. She has a lot of people around her, though, and I think that that's really the only difference between her and Jon Snow at this point. They're both trying to do the right thing. At times they might do a stupid thing. Uh, the heart might be in the right place, but... In this instance, Jon Snow didn't have enough friends, and I think that was really the only difference. <laughs> Jon Snow didn't have enough friends. And the ones he had, as we just established, were off having a pit. Yeah. Well, so Sam, what? Sam finally got to have some sex, and now he's off seeing the world. That was like his only friend left, so. Yeah, but what guy doesn't have the experience of his friend who finally got a girlfriend and never called you again? Oh, yeah. It happened to me. It happens every year to me, honestly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what do you think, uh, I mean, I don't know. I would say, what do you think Jon Snow should do? But I don't know that he really has those kind of options right now. What do you think Daenerys should do? Uh, Tim, you mentioned that you did not think the Dothraki were happy to see her, that you thought she was threatened. Um, What did you think, Donald? Did you think the Dothraki were happy to see her, and what do you think is next for her? And this is beyond, you know, the show is caught up as far as that goes. So at this point, we're in pure speculation territory, BRs and NBRs. Yeah, it's it's weird because they're such barbarians. So you're you're trying to figure out, well, are they happy to see her? Do they know it's her? Do they think, hey, we just scored some tail or whatever? Do, is that what they think? Do they even know that that's Daenerys? I mean, that there's, I think they kind of left it ambiguous. But if I had to just give my my guess, I think they know it's her, and they have some unfinished business because I think they, at least on the show, they didn't leave on such good terms next time. Uh, last time we saw them, so, uh, and I, it looks like there's like a million of them. Like, honestly, I don't know where, she was standing in in an open plain, like miles and miles, and she, you see nothing. And then all of a sudden they're everywhere. I, like, I don't understand where they came from, but there was tons of them coming from every direction. So unless she gets Drogon, Drogon to, to fly up and spread his wings or something, then I think she's in trouble because they they rejected uh, Cal Drogo because he wasn't strong anymore. So if they see uh, there's just this little girl in the middle of the field, like, what are they going to do? They're not going to respect her. But I think if she has that dragon in tow, then they might think things over. But she, uh, I mean, when they left, I, I don't know that I necessarily would agree they didn't leave on good terms. They just left. Like, the guy that we were following, the only reason we cared about you doesn't exist anymore. So we'll see you later. Yeah. I mean, did it, it see, I mean, I know that there was, you know, the the Kalasar broke up into two or three groups when they split up, but it seemed more like they were, you know, kind of infighting for dominance as opposed to actually having anything to do with her. It seems like they just kind of left her for dead. Yeah, but I, I seem to remember instances where even when she was with Drogo, they were they were saying stuff like, I don't have to follow you and stuff like that. And that maybe just true. the group that broke off. And Because I know some of them, the show does a very piss-poor job of 
making you see that some of them went with her. And I think we might have saw two of them this year, but some of them did go with her, but they've just slowly just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah. What do you think, Kim? Do you uh, have you rewatched the episode? Do you have a different feeling about it? Do you think that uh, season they're going to really switch it up on us next season? And season six, episode one is going to start with the death of the Khaleesi. That would be pretty dope. I mean, talk that about would, breaking TV rules. I mean, that would that would be nuts. Um, that would really completely probably piss a lot of people off. Which <laughs> I, 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 I kind of like when that happens, but. Uh, no, you know, I don't. I, I can't see them killing her off because right now, like, especially with John gone, she's like the only hope of our conventional hero story. You know, she wants to get into power. She's not really too bad. She's freeing slaves. She's not for slavery. But what you were bringing up before about John being too good and Danny being too good at certain points, that's maybe where, you know, this show is trying to break us of that thought like you know we're used to this world we live in here a physical world we're trying to get into a fantasy world when we watch this show so we have to kind of let go of what's good and wrong and right and it's all about survival and you know kill them all if you gotta you know be friendly who you gotta if you gotta kill people kill people Uh, you know but I, i can't um i can't see them killing daenerys right in the beginning um what i kind of alluded to um during the, the initial reaction podcast with the small council, I was saying that, you know, the ring is possibly a breadcrumb trail. Now, I don't know, you know, I was kind of jonesing so I, for more Game of Thrones, so after I rewatched on HBO Go, I watched the, inside the episode, and I'm not going to really say either way, but if you guys, you know, fans out there want to watch it yourself, Dan and Dave kind of alluded to what they interpret the ring dropping as. So that I, 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 can we? I don't mean to interrupt, but that's kind of news, isn't it? The DJ watching uh, some behind the scenes. Well, you know what it is actually, because I, <laughs> I, I, I swore it off after season three, and last season I was like virgin fresh. This season I was virgin fresh, and now that John got killed, I'm like all gloves are off. I'm gonna listen to some some spoiler casts, and I'm gonna you know because now that you got, everybody's caught up with the books. Like, there's little details that I kind of know about from, you know, talking it over with, with the community and whatnot that I don't feel that there's too much that anybody can spoil me at this point. So, you know what, if I watch, uh, you know, that stuff, which I'm probably going to catch up on the rest of it now, um, I, I'm good with that now. I've come to terms with it, you know, because I, I just want more. It's Tim Hines' Rebellion, ladies and gentlemen, the DJ Rebellion. Well, if you're going to start watching stuff, man, watch the histories and lore from the DVDs. They're on oh, YouTube, and they're I always, great. I always watch that. I always watch those from the season okay. one. Those are excellent. And, you know, that's part of the reason I know some of this, these other angles that haven't been introduced to the show yet. So, you know, it, but I didn't consider those spoilers because they're history and lore, you know, but... Now that, you know, I'm just going to watch this, this stuff and keep up. And I might even read those same three pages I've read so far. I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know if I'll go past that. But. <laughs> well, uh, what else do you want to say about season five, Donald? Oh, the Stannis stuff, I felt like it was up and down, up and down, up and down. But I feel like it ended in a good place. Uh, but here's here's my thing, though. Everyone I'm seeing on Twitter and Facebook and supermarket, 
they're all saying that Stannis is dead, but I still I still think there's a little bit of, of unfinished business there. Like if, if if that's just the end of Stannis' story, it's kind of poetic that he did all this for like what two three it's been three years now, fighting and fighting and fighting, and he, and at the end he just killed his daughter, and that just kind of tears up everything, and then it's just done, and then uh, Brienne just walks in and kills him. To me, I think that there's got to be something else there, but I, I don't know. I just I just feel like that's still incomplete. All right, there it is. The Stannis, uh, the Stannis stuff was awesome, building up to everything we got. And I think if he is dead, now I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on that, but if he is dead, I think the best thing to come out of the whole Stannis arc was that Davos is still around. And he actually was my favorite character, other than, you know, Shereen grew on me. But out of that whole camp, you know, Davos is level-headed. He always has been. And, you know, he's still around, which, which you know, gives me a little glimmer of hope for, you know, Team Baratheon. But other than that, I'm not too sure. Well, here, here's my thing. I don't think Davos was all that level-headed. Like, he might have been a smart guy, but I think, I think his biggest fault was that he was so freaking in love with Stannis. And it was to the point that it was kind of ridiculous. Oh, cut off my fingers, Stannis. Oh, I love you all. I'll follow you forever. Give him all the money he wants. I'm like, come on. It's, it was kind of stupid at, at some point. And I was kind of hoping that that what we would see from Stannis at the, the end-all, be-all uh, from, from Davos uh, was sort of the same thing that he did with Gendry, where he, he saves him. I was really hoping that it would be a sort of uh, Davos would not be sent away like he was, but, you know, be active and do something to kind of stop Melisandre and stop this from happening. But now it seems like they could possibly even be end up on the same team. And especially if they're going the, the whole fan fiction route of, of resurrecting Jon Snow, and I mean, to me, I just I don't see where that's going. I don't see what, what's left to do for Davos. All right, maybe maybe he goes back to just trading onions around the place. I don't know. But <laughs> well, Axel not. had the Axel had the great theory that maybe he would just join the the Watch, and maybe he's the next Lord Commander or something like that. But even then, like that's kind of hard to believe that they would just let a new guy in and just take over. But I, I don't see what's left for him to do, honestly. Uh, his wife is still alive, right? All his kids are dead, but isn't his wife still alive? <laughs> They've done a poor job of, of letting us know if that's the case. I know he did have a son when his son died, but, yeah, I don't know. If, are we just going to see him kind of retire to, to Storm's End like they tried to do his, with um, <laughs> with Braun and then kind of bring him back and go on a stupid-ass mission to Dorne? Okay, so Tim's prediction is that Danny gets her head cut off in the first season, first episode of the next season. <laughs> Donald's prediction, I'm making it official, is that we open on Davos sitting on a pier fishing. <laughs> I'll go with that. Hey, he could read, he could read now too. So in between catches, he can you know catch yeah. up on a couple of chapters. Uh, who, I got a quick question. Who do you guys think? You know, when you said he could, you know, possibly be written in to run the Night's Watch, who do you think is going to get elected leader? I mean, Alistair was definitely next in line as far as the votes go. So you'd think he'd be able to rally people. But if his uh, involvement in this last episode's treachery is widely known, which how could it not be? There were like 15 of them there then it may turn them against him. What do you think, Donald? Well, here's the thing. 
I'm not sure there's going to be a night watch for much longer. I mean, it, it's all pretty much gone to hell at this point. Even the world outside has gone to hell. They could easily just say, look, I'm going home. And that would just be it. Everybody just breaks up because what's keeping them all there? there there's there's really nothing keeping them there anymore at this point. They're, they're not worried about the White Walkers for some reason. Unless it happened off screen, John didn't bother to tell anybody but Sam what happened. The Wildlings have assuming – I'm assuming that they went straight to the gift and are kind of building their homes or whatever and settling down. Like, I don't see, I don't see that they think that they have that much of a mission. Well, I hate to agree with you, but I, and this is something I brought up on earlier podcasts, is that why do you declare John the 998th Lord Commander? Like, you don't put it that close to 1,000 without a reason. It just doesn't make any sense. To, you, you can use any number you want, so why pick one that's so close to a round? And it would make sense for them to elect one more, uh, you know, leader of the Night's Watch, and then he's the last one. So it doesn't actually make it to a 1,000. And I don't – the idea that there's not going to be a Night's Watch going forward, I don't, I don't like it personally inside my stomach, in my, in my heart, in my soft places. And so I don't know if my, you know, hard-headed interpretation of the book, that that's not how it's going to work out. I think – I feel like that's just basically based on my emotional reaction to the, the idea – and I do think it makes a lot of sense for the 998th Lord Commander to be the last and final one. Now, what about so, the, the little foreshadowing they did when Sam said about how young that one kid was that was one of the leaders of the Night's Watch? Did that maybe put Ollie in, in the running? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they probably do hate us that much, don't they? Well, here's the thing. Let, let's, let's have fun with it. Say Jon Snow does come back, does he reclaim his position and become the one thousand, or does he say, now that I've, <laughs> not, now that I've actually died, then I mean the you you take the take the black until you die, right? So is he free, and now he can just do whatever he wants and go take over Winterfell? Hashtag yeah. loopholes. Uh, uh, that's what I think is that it's you know it basically frees him from that vow. So I think he's going to get laid, get drunk, and then, I don't know, go become king, I suppose. But they were doing that anyway. I mean, nobody takes those off seriously. Everybody's having sex. <laughs> All right, Donald, I am going to mute you and go to cool. one more caller. Uh, are you going to hang on and talk to us a little more at the end? Yeah, I'll be here. I know you're like the official beheader and everything, but you already got the host one this time, so you're getting muted now. <laughs> And the talk shoe is still playing along. Is it not going to let me mute Donald? Uh, all right, this is the part where we pause because my talk shoe seems to have given up on me. Hold on a second. I'm still connected, right? I still hear you. You are oh, unmuted. <laughs> See, the problem is that I still hear Donald. All right, hold on one second. I should be able to quit out of this. Oh, no, because I'm recording. I can't quit it. Hold on. I might have just broken it. What is happening?
going to have to call Matt. Donald, <laughs> <laughs> are you still there? I am here if you can hear me. Hey, yeah, man, I don't know what is going on here. The uh, the controller page here has stopped rolling, but it didn't tell me we're not. Huh. Okay. I think it would have told us that we stopped recording, right? Is no, it still, still going? Yeah, it's still recording. Oh, I see. Okay, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, just bear with us. We all talk to clowns. (laughs) Talk to sucks. I swear it's not my fault. Is this working? Okay, let's see here. All right, I think we're functioning again. Do we have uh, Southwest British Columbia? Yeah. And we still got uh, Tim Hines. Yes, sir. All right, we are back alive. We worked out our talk show issues. Hello, Southwest British Columbia. Surely you have something uh, less... Uh, long that I can call you. Oh, it's Joe. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? I'm good. Um, I've been on the show once uh, right before Matt quit there, so uh, everyone was calling me Pertuzzi, but my name's Joe. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to go with Joe because yeah. I can say that with a straight face. Uh, right. Thank you for calling. Uh, what do you think about season five? Um, I actually liked it. Uh, I think out of the five seasons, it's the one that hit me the most. Uh, with just so many uh, horrible things that happened this year, it's just like uh, pretty crazy. So, uh, and then uh, the last episode, which with John, I mean, I've re- I started reading the books back in two thousand, so. When I actually saw it on TV, like uh, what happened, it just hit me as hard as uh, reading the Red Wedding, and it just made it more real. So I, I'm just, I just thought in the books that he's come back, but now I'm just not too sure. So it's, I think it's hit me harder after watching the series on uh, on Jon Snow if he's actually going to come back to the sh- to the books or the show. So, but overall. <laughs> I hated did the show. Order, but... Did the show make you feel more invested in John in the books? Um, I think just the final scene. I mean, I, I like the books more, but, but uh, it comparing it to the books like that hit me harder. Uh, just seeing, just seeing him actually lying in blood like that, and not really sure what's going to happen with him. So, it just makes me nervous for next if he's gone. I just, uh, I think it just would suck. But it's so typical George. To do that, that now I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? He might not come back. Where after reading Dance of Dragons, I was like, oh, he'll be back. Like, 
wasn't really worried about it. But uh, so, but overall, the season was pretty good. That's an interesting question. Why do you think that the why do you think one had more of an effect on you than the other? I think just actually seeing it with my eyes and uh, I don't know. In the book, it's kind of I I'm, it doesn't really say he's dead, but it's it's kind of says you know he fell face first and didn't feel it. So, but actually seeing him lying there with blood coming flowing like crazy, it's just felt a little bit. Uh, harder to take for me, so I'm not sure, sure why, but I just got kind of the same feelings of when he killed uh, Rob and Catelyn. Like, I was just devastated and didn't want to read the books anymore or whatever, but kept going, so... But, yeah, now I'm getting that... I got that same feeling after watching the show, and I think that's kind of cool that it, he's able to do that, or the show is able to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's an interesting thing about, you know, um, how just, you know, how we react to different forms of art. You know, I don't really know how to say it exactly, but when it's, when that's, you know, I've talked about that with the kind of, like, the, the, the benetting in the book is good. You know, there's tension and there's all kinds of things happening, but in the show, it happens at the pace of life. It happens at the pace of your heartbeat, you know, and there there are little quick flashes and we're here and we're there. And then all of a sudden it's done and the sound effects and everything. And that stuff just affects you differently. Like, I don't, you know, it was cool in the book, but it was better in the show. I don't really know how to quantify that exactly, but it's one of those things that I think basically everybody recognizes. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, tough to watch. I like way The sound harder. effects, too, were incredible. You hear you, that that like oomph through the through the leather and then in, you know you just hear it cut through and each one it was just it, it really like reinforced it oh yeah. absolutely that's exactly what i was thinking like it was like whoa this is just way harsher than i would have thought but it was awesome as well and how would you uh how would you rank the seasons um well i think season 4 is the best so far still and then one and then uh, three, and then uh, three and five are pretty close. And then I would put two as the last one. So, but it was uh, overall, I'd give it a probably a solid eight. Uh, All right. Eight and a half, yeah. <clears throat> Emotionally, I think it was uh, the one that hit me the hardest. So that's why I, I thought it was good, even though I hated, like, Dorn and stuff. But there was other good parts. <laughs> Try not to remember. So. There's part of me that wants to ask everybody about Dorn just to see if anybody felt differently about it because I would be fascinated to hear the person that was like, are you nuts? Dorn was awesome. I feel like they would, like, maybe if I rewatched Dorn with the sound off, I could really enjoy it. Or animated. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. No, but you know what? I, I kind of think Dorn was like, I don't know if they added it in to like, take away from... Because this is... If you really think about it, this is a dark season. And without Dorn, you kind of have, like, just a lot of, like, dark stuff. And I I think, you know, even though Dorn wasn't a happy story that, uh, you know, took place there, it was bright and sunny, and it it just was different. You saw the the gardens, and, you know, it it was a a different place that wasn't so gritty. So I kind of 
like wonder if they did that to maybe please some of the fans that really want like a lot of good stuff to go on. But even though this show is not really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. What else do you want to say about season five, Joe? Um, uh, well, obviously the sounds of just a controversy with her and Shireen, it was just, it felt like so many gut shots this season, like, and I think for a television show, that's what you want to do to people, so, I mean, they're going to, D&D gets criticized pretty bad, but they really, uh, they really hit you, or hit me pretty hard in the gut this year with what they showed, so I can't really say that's a bad thing. Uh, when <laughs> I'm so emotional over a fantasy world and, <laughs> or whatever, right? It's not real, but for them to be able to do that is pretty impressive. So, now, but overall, I thought... I got a question. Do you guys think there would have been as much controversy if this show stayed a show followed by fantasy fans that instead of, like, the mass world who like kept hearing about how awesome the show is and jumped on board and do you think there would have been a controversy like if it was just fantasy people <laughs> that's a great question that's a i would question. say i would say no because you know uh morgan my fiance says you know when when uh Tyrion or Tyrion uh reek uh was becoming reek you know, we come to the end of that and we're talking about it. And I'm just like, I can't believe that she, you know, they did that. And she's like, they do that in every series. Somebody gets a nipple cut off, somebody, you know, like that kind of genital mutilation specifically apparently is a, you know, is a standard in fantasy novels. So I don't think so. What do you think, Joe? No, I don't think so either. I think all the new watchers are just, don't really understand and can't put themselves in a fantasy uh, state, uh, like where, where they're, what kind of world this is. They're just kind of still stuck in the, what we think is right, not what a fantasy world is like. If you get what I mean. Yeah, it's like, not. It's not sex like, in the city. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. It's a. It's a world that he built on, on what he says this world is about, which is rape and all this other stuff. So you got to put yourself in that headspace. So this isn't Earth. This is Westeros that George Martin thought up. So some people just can't do it, though, it seems. So they get upset about it. You know, this is something that that Matt used to talk about. And Axel has really become fixated on his commentary on the Iraq War theory of, of Game of Thrones. Um, and I think he may be taking a couple of comments from the author a bit far. Uh, but, you know, Matt talked about how part of one of the, you know, George Martin kind of considers himself, I don't know if pacifist is exactly the right word, but one of the things he really wanted to do was talk about and kind of lay out just how the lawlessness that is a predictable result of war you know, just to to really talk about the individual consequences of that. And whether you're talking about, you know, the two farmer's kids who died in place of Bran and Reek, or Bran and, and Rickon, 
whether you're talking about, you know, what happened to Greek, whether you're talking about what happened to Sansa, those are really good examples of the individual consequences, you know, to people who in a lot of ways, you know, less so with, with Reek, but in a lot of ways are faultless um, in the situation. And depending on how you feel about what's going on with Arya, you could put her in that category as well. So that's depressing. Yeah, well, but it's 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 entertaining as hell. I mean, it's really good <laughs> stuff. We could talk. We've talked for hours and hours after a one hour one hour episode, just about one episode. And you know, we, now we're on to five seasons, and and it's got us all jazzed up talking about series, talking about facial expressions and actions, reactions, consequences. I mean that in itself is that's what it's all about like that's art it's a way we're interpreting this art so it's it's really really ramped up the expectations of really good stuff and i and i'm just i'm just like floored you know about how how many different ideas could come out of one hour episode or 10 10 hour season it's crazy one thing that nobody's brought up yet is cersei which is kind of a surprise uh, what? How? What did you think? You said that this. You know, there's been a lot of gut punches this season. Did you? And is that uh, one of them for you, Joe? Uh, the the walk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was pretty unbelievable, actually. I mean, I thought it was acted really well, and and uh, I mean, the season seems sped up, but it that part was. Uh, I think they handled Cersei's uh, season pretty good, and it was a good uh, good ending for her. And and uh, I, that last look she had when she was getting carried off by uh, Robert Strong is, uh, I mean, she's not out of the game yet. So I thought I really liked it. Can I ask a quick question? Robert Strong is the actor that's playing the mountain. Is that is that correct? I don't know. No. Why is everyone calling Robert Strong? Well, that's that's his name in the books, and it's basically just supposed to be, you know, like know kind of a. It's supposed it to be kind of a Westeros version of of John Doe, you know. I thought it was like Sandor Kuglain. Well, or Gregor Kuglain. Oh, Gregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the mountain. Yeah, um, but they can't tell anyone's the mountain, so they have to give it a name, right? Right. Exactly. He's uh, okay, that makes sense. Why are you saying that? I, did they didn't. Did they mention that on the show, or is that a BR thing only? <laughs> it might well, be a BR thing, but I don't. I, no, they didn't well, say in the show. Yeah, it's not really a spoiler. I don't. I mean, the guy's name isn't really a big deal. I, I don't consider it. So I hope our fans didn't consider that a spoiler. But yeah, uh, sorry, if it was. Well, um, I'll say this, and I don't think this is book stuff, but I don't think it's a spoiler. In the book, it's described as, like, basically, you can't really see inside of his helm, his helmet. You know, like, it's just kind of a dark space inside of his helmet. And so it's not really clear, like, does he have a head? Does he not? Like, there's all of these, you know, it's a little more descriptive in the book, and so there's a few more just kind of mysteries around it. Now, they can't really do that in the show, but... He, you know, he, Kyburn says he's taken a vow of silence until all the, you know, injustices that have been done to Cersei have been righted or whatever. And so, you know, they indicate the fact that he's not going to be speaking. Um, but, 
you know, they don't, I don't think they actually said his name in the show. Right. No, yeah, I didn't catch that either. But I heard you guys calling him that on the, the uh, small council cast, and I was like, you know, I was curious about that. I thought that was maybe the actor's name. But no, that they, yeah, yeah, that was smart on Kyber, you know, to come out with that story. Oh, you thinking of Valentine? You know, why not? I mean, that, that, no one's <laughs> going to question that. Why not? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, we've learned some things about you know because we were all very effusive about uh, Lena Headey and the acting. Uh, in the small council initial reaction. We've learned some things since then, including that it's a body double. Uh, And she did, you know, a lot of her face acting and stuff like that. Um, And Axel pointed out that she was pregnant. Uh, She was, you know, in the beginning of a pregnancy at that point. And, you know, it's her, whatever, it's her decision whether she wants to do the, the long naked walk or not. Like, you know, my opinion on it is irrelevant. But in the book, it does talk about how she you know, has had three kids, you know, and doesn't necessarily, you know, isn't necessarily thrilled with walking her body down the, you know, down the way. So I found it interesting that they hired a body double, because uh, if it's not a body double, then that's what Lena Headey looks like, you're going to film her, you know. But I found it interesting that they hired a body double that didn't necessarily look like she'd had three kids, you know. Um, that, that was kind of a, a weird choice. But there's also uh, Matt on Podcast Winterfell just put out a podcast sometime this week with a professor who is like a specialist in medieval literature, you know, and and, uh, and focuses on like torture and um, some terrible, awful things in medieval literature. And he talked to her about, you know, the history of the Walk of Atonement and different kind of famous examples of this in the past. And and they also talked about various other versions of uh, kind of crime and punishment in that day and age. And they talked about, in fact, the the, uh, trial by combat is something that they talked about. And it was a really, man, it's a really neat podcast. Like, I could listen to smart people do historical comparisons. I could listen to that all day long. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. I would suggest everybody go listen to it. And she talks a little bit about uh, Kevin Lannister, just kind of his attitude towards Cersei. She talks a little bit about things in the book uh, that aren't really directly stated in the show, but you all see when she gets there that Kevin's not thrilled to see her and doesn't rush to cover her up or help her or welcome her. So, you know, I didn't really consider anything that she said to be spoiler stuff. She just kind of gets a little bit into the details of Kevin. But the bulk of the thing is really like this, like the coolest Game of Thrones history class you could possibly want to take. Yeah, it's totally. very cool. I got to yeah. check that out. No, I, I listened yeah. to it yesterday. It was really good. Actually. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched the end of season five, then there's some spoilers in there. But if you haven't watched the end of season five, I really don't know why you're listening to this right now. So, yeah. uh, and I think you know most people who are listening to us are familiar with Matt and with Podcast Winterfell. Um, yeah. But you know, if you're not, then just search Podcast Winterfell uh, on Google or whatever you like to search with, and you can find it. It's, you know, it's not hard to find. And there's also links to the article that she wrote because she wrote a, you know, a piece about the walk of atonement and there's links to that all over the web and, and on Matt's website and stuff like that. And I went and read the article and the article was cool, but I actually like the podcast better really. Uh, just because, you know, there's kind of, 
in an article, people write down, you know, you're, when you sit down to write, like you have a thing that you want to say and you're going to put it in the order that you think it's important and all that kind of stuff. But in the podcast, Matt was able to be like, wait a minute, that was weird. Go back to that, you know, and was able to kind of interact with her in a conversational way that I thought was um, actually made the whole thing better, more interesting, and it made more sense. So, And it did not, however, make me feel sorry for Cersei. <laughs> Now, no. you guys have a little more information from the, the script that you've read, but uh, in I, I caught it on, my, on the, the second rewatch I did this morning. Um, when they start the walk, now, now let me go back. When she was in the cell, she looked all beat up and gross and dirty. Her feet were, uh, it was unclear if they were, like, all messed up. But when they started the walk, they panned down her body. Her feet were fine. And then at the end of the walk, they were all bloodied up. Now, well, were, we, were we to believe that that walk actually did that to our feet? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they show... I wasn't sure. They show her, you know, they show them uh, the septus scrubbing her down with a hard brush before they cut her hair. Um, so she would have started the whole thing cleansed, spiritually speaking, so... Yeah, totally. Those bitches. Pretty impressive that George <laughs> actually knows so much history, you know, and uh, he's able to put it in his book and then just knowing, like, uh, what a historian he is, that he can pick that out of, you know, whatever year that, that they used to do that kind of stuff and put it into his novel. And it's just, like, amazing writing, in my opinion, that he's so intelligent that way with uh, uh, history. Yeah, and that's one thing. That's one thing that the the professor that she comments on. She talks about the actual historical cases that uh, George said he based this Cersei's walk in particular on. And so, you know, of course, you can go down a, a bottomless rabbit hole with that if you really want to. Mm-hmm. I am that kind of guy. It took me all afternoon to feel like I had figured enough of it out. <laughs> but uh, I am going to uh, jump over to Tracy uh, for a little bit. Was there anything else you wanted to comment on about season five? Joe? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, I think you said Tracy. Yeah, no, I'm gonna jump I'm gonna mute you and jump over to Tracy here uh for a minute. Was there anything else you want oh. to say about season five? Oh season five. I just five. didn't want to cut you off, man, if it's like <laughs> mid thought, you know. No, it was uh no, I'm good. It, you guys can keep going and I'll just join later. All right. If you wanna hang on, we will bring everybody together a little later to talk about predictions for season six. Uh let's Go talk to Tracy. How's it going? Hey, how's everybody? I'm doing well. A little sleepy, but, you know, I have to talk about this, this season at least once. Yeah. <laughs> do you back. want me to call you Tracy or do you want me to call you something else? Tracy is absolutely perfect. All right, Tracy, what did you think about season five? Um, I thought season five was good enough. Good enough. I've changed the way that I watch Game of Thrones. Um, I don't like it the way I used to like it, but I still enjoy it enough to watch it and talk about it. It's just I really lean a lot heavier on the books for 
uh, interesting dialogue and all the court intrigue. I feel like the books deliver that a lot better than the show, but the show gives me, you know, um, just great images, set design, action. So it definitely delivers in some ways, and once I adjust it, I can just get right back to really enjoying the show. <laughs> All right, so what caused this shift? Is it just the way they've moved away from the books? or No, I mean, I, I'm okay with changes. I mean, you know, Braun being such a big character totally makes sense, totally fine with it. Certain people not being in the show, I totally get it. We can't have, you know, a cast of hundreds. I get it. Um, I just feel like the dialogue falls flat for me a lot more than it used to. So that sort of really smart, witty, just like cleverness that I get from the book, it doesn't translate a lot. Um, you know, one character, for instance, would be um, Ed at the wall. Right. On the page, he crackles. You know, you need him at the wall because it's so bleak. And I feel like it just doesn't translate. And I don't know if you, you know, Matt, you read the books too, if you would agree that it, he's just completely different. Even though they keep the tone the same, it doesn't play. Yeah, I know that Ed has a lot of fans, and, and I agree. I mean, he's underrepresented in the show. And, and you it's know just, what? I, and you're right, it's just dialogue, it's just personality, because we never, there's no like head POV chapters in the book or anything. So the only way we see him is through conversations, through dialogue. And so that's one of the things that is easily translatable to the show. And it's so odd that like he just didn't play. I mean, I remember when he was cast uh, and I knew he would be at the wall, I was thinking, this is awesome. Because, you know, if you remember the earlier seasons, the wall was, you know, maybe not the strongest part of the show. And I thought, you know, Ed's going to make this really go, and mm, not so much. So, you know, little things like that, I just kind of feel like it doesn't work. But as far as just being an action-packed, fun, shocking, kind of gross, a little titillating, you know, it brings it on these other levels where I can appreciate it too. So, you know, I don't want the show to go away. I'm not going to stop watching, you know, by any stretch. Yeah. So what, uh, I mean, how would you rank season five within the seasons? Um, I, I have a lot of love for season one. And even though I know that it's not the strongest objectively, the the affection I have for it really puts it a little higher than it should, so bear with me, because I kind of jotted down my, my just kind of gut reaction to what's the best, and I, when I look at it objectively, I'm like, this is not a, a good list, <laughs> but it goes like this, so my favorite would be four, then three, then one, then five, then two. That's a good ranking. I, I feel like that that's a... Uh pretty accurate plus it's really close to my ranking so that's why i like it but uh <laughs> yeah you know two gets a, a rough rap it's yeah, funny, it does. but but it's still good like that's the crazy part you know so like like you gotta i gotta keep reminding the, the audience when we put something last it's still game of thrones you guys know how we feel and i'm sure you guys feel the same way listening so nothing's bad it's just that other stuff is better right um you know like season two 
I think Harren Hall really disappointed me, and I was I had a hard time getting past it. But there are some really good episodes in that season. Um, Watchers on the Wall is my favorite of all time. So I know a lot of people, you know, Hard Home kind of shot to everybody's top. That's my number two. Uh, but Watchers on the Wall is my number one episode. So I think that's why four is kind of heavy because I look at it as kind of like building towards that really great episode for me. Um, and then I thought three just kind of emotionally was really strong. Two, I just, I just really have a hard time with <laughs> So if your two favorite episodes are at the wall, talk to me about Jon Snow. Oh, Jon. So if anybody has ever heard, um, when I used to call in for the book uh, readings, I think I called in for Storm of Swords, you know, I talked a lot about Jon and how I was really emotionally tied to John because of how much he missed Winterfell and Arya, you know, and I was really tied to that character. So on the show, I thought, you know, Kit Harrington was fine, and, you know, he did a good job, and I knew, you know, knowing that this was coming doesn't make it any easier because it's sort of like, well, you know what, guys, if you want to change something, that's okay. You can change this. You can adjust this. You can just give them a little, you know, a love tap and, you know, knock them out, you know, do something like that. You know, let let them feel the anger of the watch, but we don't have to go all the way, right? Yeah, but you know they do. You yeah. know they do. I think, do you they, think they, like to, uh, they like to break the Internet, you know, you know now that – that uh, term has kind of entered the <laughs> the zeitgeist, right? So they they're into this now. Um, I do think he's dead. Yeah. Staying like, dead, uh, you know, not sold on it. But I definitely think that you know we have, you know, flatline. Are you a Melisandre of Mir uh, theorist, or do you have another method in mind? You know what. You know, I I don't want to get into background, you know, the the book knowledge. So based on what the show is showing me, yes. For as far as the show goes, I think that's probably the most likely. You know, I I think they set that up a little bit with her interest in him before she left. So there's something there, whether it's the same method that um, Thoros and Beric used or something else. You know, we'll see, but I do think that she's going to be the key. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I seem to be the only person who thinks the Dothraki are going to get in line behind the Mother of Dragons, uh, their their silver-haired Khaleesi. What do you think about the end of Season 5 for Daenerys? Wow. Um, you know, that certainly didn't occur to me that they would fall in line behind her. I anticipate some sort of conflict, you know, maybe short-lived, but I Wow, are you saying um, like I'm they saying appear there is to be not, hostile, but they're not at all? I didn't. I didn't think that they appeared to be hostile necessarily. I thought the whole circling was kind of a uh, like a good sign. Now, another group of people that use a lot of circle symbols are the White Walkers, so that might not necessarily be a great thing. Uh, That symbol might not necessarily be a great thing. But I kind of felt like it was this massive, you know, I, I thought the scale of it 
was kind of a recognition of her place at the center of the story, at the center of, you know, Essos at this point. I, I really felt like it was a very positive kind of sign. And the other thing is, you know, I also just, in kind of cold, hard, Machiavellian terms, how much screen time do we have left? Like, is now she's got to fight with the Dothraki too? Because it's not like Marine is settled at this point. The dragon killed some harpies, but not half a stadium full of them. You know, so it seems to me like piling an additional conflict on top, uh, you know, a conflict with Dothraki just seems to me like just too much considering how much time we have left, especially if they're going to stick to there only being two more seasons, which a lot of people don't think that's going to happen. So to me, it seems like it makes a lot more sense for the Dothraki you know, at least by episode two or three, maybe not in the very beginning of one, but episode two or three, the Dothraki are on board, and then she comes back to Marine with a dragon and an army of psychos at her back, and basically kind of takes over Marine. Um, you know, the Dothraki don't necessarily want to live inside, but that might be enough of a threat to kind of pull everybody in line, and then whatever magic Tyrion is going to do can take place, and we can get the hell out of there. <laughs> So I guess I'm just wondering what, you know, she did pick up some of the language, but not much. Um, and I'm trying to remember all of the hostility because, you know, Jura fought because, well, I think the conflict in the show happened because they didn't trust the blood magic, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, that was one of the part of it. Yeah. Well, that, that's when they already lost like half their crew already, and then the, and then the priestess comes with the blood magic, and then they, they, most of the rest of them were pretty much gone at that point. Hmm. Because I'm wondering if the, if there's bad blood between them, or if they feel like you know she's supposed to be fulfilling her role as you know a former Khaleesi, not gallivanting, which is how they may see what she's doing, you know, not fulfilling her role as a widow. Yeah, and she's doing just about everything that they're against. Like, they they have slaves, they sack villages, they, you know, and she's all about, like, liberation and freedom. So, you know, if they know about her, just having a dragon, but being completely against what your tribe's about, I don't think that's a good sign. All right, so yeah, this is this... just all based on my wishful thinking, then. <laughs> I can accept it. You know, even if that's what's going to eventually happen, because you're absolutely right. Obviously, you know, the Dothraki Sea is not the end game for her, and I der- certainly see her as, you know, an end game kind of player, you know, just my own opinion on it and most people's I, from what I've heard. I, you know, if there's conflict, it can't be. It, it's got to be short-lived. I mean, I don't know if Drogon's just going to roast them all, which I think would be a little anticlimactic, but... <laughs> well, you do have to have Dario and Jorah come in to save her, so, I mean, they could probably take all of them out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dario's little, right? Little guys can do everything. I did have a theory, though, how they, how they kind of found her. Like, you know, people were talking about how did they get there, you know, when you do see a, a dragon flying through the sky, when you're not used to seeing anything in the sky except for a raven, 
you know, maybe maybe they just followed that, which, you know, just kind of a thought. I have well, a feeling. Also, go um, ahead. Um, I have a feeling that this is, however they find her and resolve this, is going to be one of those plot points where it's best to not think about it too much. <laughs> you know, because we just, it's one of those things where you just need it to happen so we can turn the page. So I'm fully prepared for that. I'm willing to let you be a generous fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, is there anything else you'd like to say before season about season five? We're going to bring everybody else back in and do some season six predictions. Uh, but I don't want to cut you short. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, you know what? I just will say that I felt horribly for Cersei. So I, I know I disagree with you a little bit on that there. And I felt like he's be... really the emotional core, you know, come the end of the season. I mean, who's, who really brought the emotion in the, in that finale? I really feel like, you know, that, that Cersei walk really brought it home. You know, I've been fascinated to hear some people talk about the, the length of the walk as gratuitous. You know, it went on for too long, kind of just to put this naked lady up there more. Uh, and I didn't, you know, I think most of the book readers didn't feel that way because of the way it's described in the book, which is as being long and grueling. Mm-hmm. Um so, one, how did you feel about the translation of that from the book? And two, uh, do you think that this was more punishment than she deserved? You're saying you felt for her. There's one thing to feel for somebody. You know, it's like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer got killed in jail. Like, <laughs> you know, you have this kind of like, but he probably kind of earned it. You know, it, there's... So there's, you know, there's a compassionate side of you that wants to feel for this and is experiencing this character in the show. But does the the judge high septa um, kind of rational side of you feel like this was overdone for her crimes? Um, I feel like if we're going to look at Cersei in total, something like this might be a fair punishment, but for what they were focusing on, I feel like this whole religious fundamentalism is just twisted at its core. So no (laughs) punishment that comes out of something like that is probably going to be fair. I mean, if this were an issue of, well, you know, Cersei, when you were queen regent, these were decisions that you made. These were the small folk that you hurt. You know, the bread riots happened. Da, da, da. You know, like if we're really talking like crime, you know, almost like war crimes, you know, that's that's another thing. But the punishment wouldn't be walking naked through the street, right? This is a, a very gendered punishment. And right. I feel like maybe that's what I'm responding to as well because I feel like this is, this is how you punish a woman that reaches too high or, or too far, and it's a way to sort of knock her down because so much of a woman's value, whether we're talking medieval times, fantasy land, or reality, seems to be tied into access to her sexuality. So I just really feel like that's what this was about and not really about mistakes she's made or people she's hurt. There's nothing to <laughs> add to that. Wow. 
Yeah, this, I is re- think this is recording, right? Yeah. yeah yes, it is. Okay. I, I, I think that's a, you know I think that's very well said, and I think it's important to say that. I think that you know the the as much as we dislike Cersei, you know I don't trust uh, religious fundamentalist leaders either. And you know I really like the actor that plays him, and so far we've been given no reason to suspect his motives. Uh, but I think that just in general, you know, that's a, a well-said kind of statement about the way women have been punished for that kind of offense, you know, all the way to this day. And that's one thing, you know, they talk about, you know, slut-shaming, for example, and different things like that in the podcast that Matt did uh, with the woman that wrote that article, you know, where they get into some of those issues she draws comparisons to today. And it's pretty clear that they're very direct. Like, this is not, we're not talking about once upon a time. We're talking about now. Only now it's not a naked parade through the middle of town. It's a naked parade through a, you know, revenge porn website or, you know, more something of that nature. And, you know, that's gross. (laughs) I mean, regardless of what, was done to, you know, regardless of whatever crime is being punished um, and the fact that it's, you know, quote-unquote crimes of a sexual nature, when especially when we're talking about Cersei who killed the king, for God's sakes. I mean, there are, you know, like you're talking about the bread riots, like those are the really nice things that we can charge her with, you know. Right. it, It goes up the list. And I don't remember, was Braun's wife, Braun's wife never made an appearance. She, they just had that one scene on the beach, right? Right. Cersei's, um, Cersei's interactions with her from the book didn't happen on the show, is that correct? No, I'm not going to yeah, talk about that. That whole family has been kind of annexed. Yeah. Well, let's just say that, that she's got some things to answer for in that <laughs> realm as well. <laughs> I mean, honestly, she should be put to death, right? I mean, if we're looking at regicide, uh, uh, you know, it kind of trumps all the other things, and that's the end of it. And just like Ned Stark, she could keep her clothes on for it. Exactly. (laughs) All right, let's let's, uh, bring back uh, Joe and Quentin and talk about season six. Uh, hold on. Stupid talk show again. It's driving me nuts. Uh, all right, so we've got Joe and Quentin. Let Joe, sound off. Hey, can you hear me? I can't. Quentin, you there? I'm here. We still got Tracy? Still here. Because Tracy's on fire right now, so we got to make sure we still got Tracy. And DJ Tim. Yep, yep. I'm here. All right, bring it up, Tim. What do you think season six is going to start with, and what do you think the big kind of subject matter is going to be? We starting with. Did you ask me that? Yeah, hey, Heath Snowlow's here too. Don't yeah, me. Oh, we got Heath Snowlow. All I'm right, sober. <laughs> Would you like to give us a sober reaction? Because I'm sure if you have, if everybody hasn't listened to Heath's drunk IR, uh, oh, it is boy. definitely worth 12 minutes of your time. Would you like to <laughs> apologize for anything in the drunk IR, or would you like to give us a sober IR? 
Yeah, you know, anything I say under the influence can't be used against me. And I just say trial by combat is what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, you guys, I've been in and out listening tonight, and it's just so great. To, it's refreshing to hear new voices. It's refreshing to hear Tracy. We missed you all season. Oh, oh boy. But uh, it, it's great. And uh, no, I, you know, believe it or not, I have not. I'm going to rewatch the episode tonight. I mean, I do remember it. I think it all hit me when I decided to record. Uh, but I've been listening to podcasts and uh, listen, of course, to a small council. And man, I, I really, I really enjoyed the finale. Uh, the Dorn stuff, we know. I love Dorn. No, just kidding. Like, I, I, it, it, I mean, we've been calling it Three Amigos too. Um, I just. <laughs> The real thing is I'm thinking how Cersei was like, you know, depending on what happens with her, but when she shipped Jamie off, she's like, bring mm-hmm. back our daughter. Well, if he brings back the da- our daughter dead, what's going to happen there? And what are the implications since she did not confess she slept with Jamie? Because I was thinking when Jamie comes back, will they throw him in jail? So I, I was kind of thinking what's going on there. But with everything, you know, like Reek and uh, Sansa, what – you know, I didn't even think about a suicide attempt. I just figured they show, you know, they jumped, okay. But then I started rethinking it. And I'm like, I don't know which way that's going and where the heck they they would go. We have all these adventures, these paired adventures. Brienne and Pod are still out there. Now we got Dario and Jorah and Tyrion and you know, Varys or Varys, whatever the heck his name is, um, where he just shows up. I'm still shy. I'm still kind of mad at that, but. <laughs> But no, I uh, you know I really had fun this season. I guess if I'm gonna rank, I'm still season one. I go one, four, three, five, two. It's tough, you know. Two I like, but rewatching two was a little more slower than I remember. Then of course you do get Blackwater, which is phenomenal. Uh, but I really liked it because going back, I totally forgot. And this one I rewatched, I think a season or two ago, the whole Bolton stuff with Rob and when he tells Walter Frey last season, he didn't, you know, he didn't listen to me when I gave him advice. Like, so you rewatch a season, it always, you pick up new stuff. But, yeah, uh, season two, season two, there's a lot of stuff in there that hits a lot harder after you see the end of season three. Yeah. yeah. Once you know where it develops, there were a lot of little gems dropped earlier that you just, there's no way you would have, picked up on the specific significance of them without it. Yeah, and then season four with uh, Tyrion's trial, all that stuff he did in season two, you know, comes back to bite him in the behind. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's funny. I just assumed, again, Stannis was killed, even though they didn't, it's like, why didn't they show it? Really? And so I'm just kind of, and then, of course, Jon Snow and our good friend Ollie. (laughs) I'm really, I, my initial reaction, I mean, I hate, I, I, I hate to use the whole I'll never watch again or whatever, but I felt that way. I'm like, I've been following Jon Snow this whole time, and that's why. But then I'm like, no, if Sandra got there pretty quick, I'll, I'll give that. She must have had an express lane to get to Winterfell. Uh, I mean, get from Winterfell, yeah, So to the wall. Uh, but I, I gotta believe something's gonna happen there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. But I, you know, this whole controversy, this cliffhanger, 
I mean, that's something I guess we could talk about later or if we do a, you know, spoiler section in the off season or kind of, because that's one of those things I want, I almost want to get spoiled on if anyone knows anything, because I want, I don't want to keep crying at night. Um, I just, well, I mean, this I'm gonna is spoil, <laughs> I'm going to spoil your spoiler and just tell you that anybody who tells you what's going to happen is lying unless they're exactly George, right. Dave, or Dan. I mean, it's all, there are some little hints in the book, but even the stuff in the book is very speculative. It's very vague, and nobody knows, man. So I hate to yeah, spoil and... your spoils, but... <laughs> that's all right, brother. But, well, that's the thing, and we don't know what they're going to do, if they're going to even change things, if it's going to be different if they do the next book. And But what's great, though, with that is it's like, okay, they did this cliffhanger, so we talk about it, and everyone gets, you know, we speculate and go back and forth and go crazy. If, just say, if if the whole thing is John's going to get resurrected and Kid Harrington's still in the show, why would they say that now? Because then it's like the cliffhanger means nothing. So it's kind of right. like, you know, I'm thinking if I'm them, I keep it out there, let us, and maybe whether it's at Comic-Con or, because once you start shooting and stuff, unless they do some secret shooting, I don't know, with the way social media and everything is now, they're going to, something's going to leak. So, and then people talking about Kit Harrington's hair. I don't even know what that's all about, but, uh, so we'll see, but it's typical Hollywood cynic. I know. Right. Right. I'm just, uh, I don't know. DJ Timmy Hines. I'm going to, you're going to have to hold me, man, in this off season. <laughs> uh, I'm here for you, brother. All right. Thank you. <laughs> cause, cause I don't know. I just, we'll see, but you know what? It's a great show. And, I've already after the red after Ned red wedding. I've already accepted the fact that this is show is different, and you know things like this are going to happen. We're not going to always get what we want, but I'm interested. I'm invested in seeing it to the end. All right, uh, let's go back to DJ Tim Hines. What do you think season six is going to start with, and what do you think it's going to look like? I think it's probably going to start with a map of the entire world. And then it's going to play the theme song, and they're going to go from place to place. Just a crazy prediction. No, but uh, Tim, I, all right, Tim I, used that one, everybody. So you're you're just going to sound like you're uh, you're taking from him if you try it next. No, but uh, I mean, you 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 put me in a spot before. I mean, Danny's dead. That's the way I got to open it. You told me that that was my prediction, so. But, so you're uh, sticking with it? No, I have to now. You put it out there for the whole interwebs in the world. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a hypocrite if I don't. Uh, I, I, where it's going to open up, I, I really feel like it's going to be back on the wall, and w- that's going to start, and it's going to be a very wall-centric and Westeros-centric uh, season because there's a lot. Like right now, we ended with all these place markers. We know that Roos is still in power. We know that Sansa's, uh, that Sansa's got out of there, but we don't know if she's alive or dead. We know that Ramsey's still alive. We know that we think that Stannis is dead. So the whole North is is like completely back to the way it was without this threat. But now I think the wildlings are going to come down. And, and before, we were also talking about uh, 
why the Night's Watch would stay there. And I think it was Donald that, that said maybe the, the Night's Watch is over, which also, like, like I got me thinking, well, Ned used to, to, like, be the warden of the North. So he would, like, hold it down. If somebody left and he caught them, like, the first episode, he had to kill them. Now, who, Roos is going to do that? I can't see Roos doing that. I can't see him even caring about what's going on at the wall because he's, like, like an evil maniac. So the, what's from stopping guys from leaving? And, you know, that I think could be a big issue and it could be a big thing. And they're all, you know, then who's going to be at the wall? So I feel like that's what the season is going to really be about. I know we got to have to have Bran and hold on back. Um, you know, there's a lot of people still missing. But I think they're going to kind of chill out on some of the storylines we've seen. I think Danny's going to be a little less involved than this season. I think this was, you know, was a big season for her. So I feel like they'll pull back a little. That's an interesting question. Did you miss Brandon Hodor this season? Do you feel like you'll be out of step with them if they come back next season? Or do you feel like you'll be able to get back in stride with them pretty quickly? Oh, I'm, I'm, they're still on like the front of my, my brain and I'm still thinking about them because that, that was just so awesome last season. It was the, the children of the forest. It just was so cool. Seeing all that warring stuff. Like that's the, the magical stuff that, you know, we get sprinkles of. Now, now it's time to crank it up and let's let's see what it's all about. All right. Talk to me, Quentin. What do you think season six is going to start with and what do you think it's going to look like overall? Well, I think I'm going to get caught in the Stark trap once again when Bran comes back to Westeros. Uh, I think that <laughs> I've been caught in that trap many times and I'll, I think I'll get caught in it once more. Uh, I, I do think... Uh, the wild, the wildlings being down south of all is interesting. They, they're the only ones who really know, or are really thinking about just how powerful this White Walker army is. I mean, Littlefinger doesn't care. Bolton's don't care. No one in King's Landing cares. Danny's whole team doesn't care about that. No one cares about that yet, except the wildlings, I suppose, and Ed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some, I don't know. Maybe Ed brings the wildlings back to man the wall, but. Uh, I don't know. That just doesn't sound very likely. But uh, I I do want to talk about the Boltons. The Boltons look strong, but um, I see some potential uh, things going on inside that are bad. Uh, Roos wanted uh, Ramsey to marry Sansa to consolidate the North, and uh, Ramsey screwed that up. Uh, (laughs) Ramsey treated her horribly. I mean, more than horribly. I mean, there's no words for that, but... uh, but uh, Roos is not going to be happy about losing Sansa. And Roos might strip Ramsay of his, of his Bolton name, and that'll lead Ramsay to do something bad to Roos's wife to vo- avoid getting that new heir. So I think the Boltons could be in trouble. But uh, Donald, don't worry. I don't think Sansa's going to get out of the snow and all of a sudden run stuff in the north. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think she might, be, she might be dead, but I just don't, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know how you could survive that fall, but. I don't see how you could be dead there, but I don't know. I'm, and then finally, Tyrion. Can't wait to see, I, I can't wait to see what he does with Marine. I don't know how he's going to pull it off, but uh, I want to see Tyrion work, work some magic, like you guys said. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Do you think that uh, his uh, pairing with Varys is going to be long-lived, or do you think Varys is going to be out of there for some reason? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, well, they don't have 
I don't see how they don't have much of a choice. Uh, they don't really have anywhere else to go. Uh, you can't leave that city to grit to uh, Obama worm and the Sandre 3000. Uh, so, I mean, they, I think they, they, they want to, I think they want to be there. They're going to, I guess, I guess, I think, I think it is going to be long. It's going to be last of a few episodes. Uh, I don't see any of them going down. I mean, oh man, if, if they take down, uh, Tyrion, that'll be another shock, but, uh, the Sons of the Harpy take over, and when Danny comes back, the Tyrion, Varys, all them dead, and the Harpy's leading Marine, and that'll really push Danny to Westeros. That might, oh, I just thought of that. That sounds awful. <laughs> all right, and finally, uh, what about Bran? Do you think that you'll be able to fall in line with Bran and Hodor? Uh, do you think they'll be back next season? Do you think you will? Did you miss him this season? Uh, yeah, I missed him, but I think it made sense that he's in training, and, uh, I guess I just thought of him as being in training and out of sight this whole season. And I've been, and this, my Stark, uh, my Stark heart really wants him to come back and have that war thing down and then some, and he's just going to, apparently he's going to fly back in and, uh, look, see what's going down and have more power than we could we even imagine. But I hope that happens. But again, that's just the Stark heart, Stark heart, uh, talking that's been torn apart too many times. Dude, I mean, it's just, you know, what are you supposed to do? Like, I don't see how you can be a fan of this show and, and like, a decent human being and not get caught up in the Stark madness. Like, that was what the whole thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was in the books, in the show. Like, we have been conditioned, you know, to really, like, believe in them as the only force of righteousness in this whole thing, you know. And, I, you know, I think that, I don't know, like, I just, maybe I just tell myself this, but I have to forgive myself my Stark allegiance, because there's no earthly reason to be holding on to it, as far as even the book or the show goes. At this point, it's just nothing but a world of pain. It's like being a damn Knicks fan. It's just, you just not give up, you know. But, I mean, we've all been really trained to that, and, and I think we, you know, I think it's okay to forgive yourself that to a certain extent. But it's going to hurt, man. It's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Padres fan can relate. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, talk to me, Joe. What do you think uh, is going to start off season six, and and what are you looking forward to? Um, well, I guess we all remember how uh, Bran can enter his uh, his direwolf's mind, right, and become a part of him. So, sure. I feel like. Ghost is actually going to come up at the start of the season and sniff John, and then once he licks him, I think uh, licks his face, and he's going to actually enter into Ghost. And uh, the weird thing I think is uh, John's body is actually going to rise once that happens, and instead of blue eyes, I think he's going to have flaming red eyes. Do you think you think we're gonna get both? You think we're gonna get Jon Snow, the Jon Snow that we know and love, only it's gonna be in Ghost, and we're gonna yeah. get Jon Snow's post mortem uh, form, his corporeal form, only with red eyes. Whose eyes are those? Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be Ghost, and he's gonna be running around like a dog. So Ghost is gonna go into Jon Snow. Yeah, and Jon just going to be 
no, it was just a silly little theory. I, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. That sounds awesome. <laughs> what are you talking about? Don't back <laughs> off of it now. That's great. So Josh knows actually the, is the dog ghost or the dire wolf, and he's just running around like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Those Canadians, man, they... No, seriously, I think uh, Marcella's, uh, Jamie bringing Marcella to curse, uh, Cersei will be the, uh, what's going to happen uh, for the start of the season, which will be pretty sad, but uh, pretty powerful. And uh, mostly looking forward to King's Landing with uh, him finding out uh, that Cersei was sleeping with the cousin. And then I'm guessing he will be on trial as well on the incest charges. So Jamie's really walking into walking into a, a crap storm there at King's Landing. Do you think Marcel is dead? Real emotional season for him, I think. Next year it's going to be a real real hard one for him. Yeah. You know, Do you think Marcel is dead? No, yeah, she's dead. Yeah. And I don't think they could go back either because, like, a lot of people were saying, like, well, they would turn around. But, I mean, I imagine Dorne would just take them hostage right away, wouldn't they? So he's probably just heading to King's Landing. If uh, instead of turning around, going back to Dorne, that's what I think. Do you think he would still go back to King's Landing? I mean, because she had Tyburn send him a raven, right? So I guess there's two questions there. Do you think he got it? I don't feel like there's any indication that he did from the TV show. And if he did find out what had happened to, um, to Cersei, do you think he would continue back to King's Landing? Uh, yeah, I think he would still go back, but I, uh, it's obvious he doesn't know, so he's going to find out when he's there and find all the facts out, and, and it's going to be a real emotional thing for him dealing with all that. So I think that's going to be a pretty good... Uh, I also think uh, the Tyrell and her trials are going to be amazing, Like, and I could see Loras actually having to fight the, the mountain or the zombie guy. So he might die next year, I think, Laura. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> I think if he ends up fighting the mountain, his chances probably aren't good. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, so I don't know. That's I hadn't thought about that. That's an amazing mental image now that you've got me working with that. Yeah, it's pretty, it'd be pretty cool, I think. We'll see. All right. Do you think uh, we're going to ever see Dorn again? Uh, do I? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that every single person on the podcast that I work on hated it. And I'm sure that that doesn't, you know, it can't. Surely the rest of the world hated it, too. I mean, oh, I can't. Hines, I loved it. <laughs> it can't just be, you know, basically every podcast I listen to, every podcaster I know, every article I've read, you know. That can't so surely they have some indication that everybody hated Dorn. Do you think we're gonna go back there? Yeah, I do. I think they've uh, already outlined the season six, so they wouldn't even known that everyone hated it. They've already had the story written for it, so I'm pretty sure they got more to do, so we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, I do think they'll go back there. Do you think they'll make any changes, or do you think it's too late to uh, to turn that ship around? 
<laughs> they need better writers, that's for sure. I don't. Uh, but this is the thing: the, yeah. the episodes are each credited to a writer, right? Or you know, sometimes Dan and Dave write one together or whatever. But it's not like they say like, "Oh, this asshole wrote the Dorn scenes because we couldn't find anybody else, so we went and got this whatever monkey in a closet and gave him two typewriters." Right? They so if is it really better writers because if each if one writer wrote each episode, then there was some other conceptual issue with Dorn besides just, you know, like replacing the guy who wrote, because they were written by different people. I think yeah, part of the, develop, the development of Dorn was, was lacking. We just got, we heard all about how mighty and great Dorn is and all, all this history they have with, you know, not really being part of the, the you know, of the realms and doing their own thing. And all we got was like two little place, places in there. And one was a sand dune, where Jamie was fighting when he landed with Braun. Like, so there really, wasn't really a lot to it. I think that's what, what really made Dorn boring. Yeah, what about that guy that killed at the start of the year? Like, the very first time we see him, like, he's buried in the sand. He gave him information, so they just kill him? Like, what? Like, I didn't understand that. That was crazy. Like, he helped him. <laughs> Here, here, okay, thanks. Like, we'll put you in the hole and we'll throw a spear in the middle of your head. Like, so stupid. <laughs> that was, I think, my favorite shot from Dorn, though. It did look cool. <laughs> I mean, separated, for, you know, divorced from the context in which it had to suffer. And that, in particular, I think if somebody ever gets it together and animates Dorn, uh, that would be particularly good. Uh, thank you, Joe. Let's talk to Tracy. And uh, what do you think season six is going to start with? And what do you think it's going to uh, focus on? What are you looking forward to? Um, I think season six is going to open on some people that show watchers don't know. And I'm not going to say anything more about it, but if you keep up with casting, you might know what I'm talking about. And I think they might you know, go out on a limb, I'd like to see that. Them just start with, boom. So people are kind of like, who are these people? And kind of like grab you right away from the beginning. Um, but because it's kind of like unofficial, I'm not going to say anything more about that. All right. Uh, but I really, really, really want to see Sam training to be a maester. Okay. <laughs> like what, watching him read? Like <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it sounds a little boring when you put it like that, but I think um, I think Old Town has the potential to be really interesting for people like me that like world building and kind of want to hear some stories and some lore, and I want to get some information about White Walkers and dragons and all that good stuff. So I figure if anybody can get us some actual info, it's going to be Sam. So hope. And I think they uh, they might. I think they'll do a good job. I do. That's I, an I interesting point about you know they can squeeze a lot of exposition into it. And you know I think most people, you know I mean I don't know a lot of people that have a problem with the actor that plays Sam, even if you're not crazy about the characters. So it seems like Sam in Old Town, like, and this is another thing I learned, and this is another thing I learned. Like he <laughs> could just be like the enthusiastic student all season and give us a lot of interesting kind of mystical stuff without 
having to go too far into it. What uh, kind of information, because you mentioned a number of different potential subjects there, what kind of information do you think would be most useful or most interesting? Well, I definitely think anything about, you know, the the long night, you know, the if you remember back to, I guess it had to have been season one because it was Old Nan telling Bran the scary stories about the ice spiders and all of that stuff. I mean, if we could kind of get any written history about that or, you know, where does that come from and how did it end and who stopped it and what did they do and where do we have to go to do this again, you know, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds good when you describe it that way. <laughs> oh, at least it hired. <laughs> so, what did you miss, Bran, this season? Do you think he's going to be back next season? It breaks my heart to say that I didn't miss him because he was the reason I picked up the books in the first place. Okay. When Bran opened his eyes, episode two. I said, "Well, tomorrow I am going to Barnes and Noble," <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> Um, so it kind of breaks my heart but I didn't miss him not a lick Um, but yeah I felt the same and I love Bran in the book in the show (laughs) the story the concept I love Bran from soup to nuts and it didn't even occur to me that he wasn't in the show yet and I think that's because you know and that's why I think it's interesting to find out do you think you're going to be able to kind of, you know, land in stride with Bran if he does come back. Because I don't, you know, I didn't miss him. And I don't say that because, like, oh, I'm glad he wasn't in there. I say that as in, if Bran shows up next season, like, I'm in. Let's go. As soon as I see him again, I'll be right back together with Bran. Do you think you'll be able to fall in, like, in step? Or do you think it'll take you a little while to get back to him? I I think I can... um get up to speed with, with Bran and, you know, Hodor is so endearing. So I think as long as Hodor is still around and I'm curious to see um, uh, uh, the children of the forest and Mira and kind of what's going on there. So I think if they kind of build the dynamic between those characters, right, you know, any of the mystical stuff will kind of just be icing on the cake. Yeah. <clears throat> Guest six made a good point in the, in the uh, chat here that, you know, uh, Sam and Bran will be available to fill in a lot of gaps next season. Um, And, you know, that's a lot of times when you get into that kind of expositional stuff, sometimes it can be less, you know, the less interesting part of the movie. Uh, But uh, frankly, I think that in a lot of ways, I'm glad that they didn't do a lot of flashbacks this season you know, we started the the season with one, and so it seemed like it was potential that they were going to bring it back, or, you know, not bring it back, but make it a, a substantial part of the storytelling this season. I'm glad they didn't, you know, and there's a lot of the mystical stuff that, the magical stuff that uh, will be hard to translate into an interesting scene, frankly. Plus, we've got a lot of things to try to understand. We've got a lot of magical things happening already. So to me, even though that's traditionally not the most exciting stuff, it seems like it could be an efficient way to handle what is potentially going to be a lot of of story, a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Uh, Yeah, and I I do um, fear that things could get a little heavy. Um, I think we were kind of trending in that direction. I think the way that they characterized Jojen was 
real, he was such a downer. I mean, not that he's the life of a party in the book at all, but I feel like there was just a little bit more spunk and spirit uh, to that crew on their yeah. quest. And when they got to the tree, I just feel like there there was just so much more to it, and it really fell flat for me on the screen. So maybe the time away, you know, like sometimes you just need to get a chance to miss somebody. Hopefully right. this will turn out well. Yeah. All right. Very good, Tracy. Uh, and you're up. He's Snowlo. What do you think season six is going to be like? What are you looking forward to next year? Well, I'm going to make a prediction as DJ Timmy Hines predicted there'll be the credits at the beginning. If you <laughs> notice, I, I know at least two that I can remember of the season premieres actually start with a teaser and then the credits. So I'm going to go on one of DJ Timmy Hines and it's going to be like this dark shot. Where the heck are we? And we're going to see like a six foot brand. He's going to be grown and we're going to be like, Oh shoot, brand. He's going to look different and going to be all like, I don't know, like Walt in uh, Lost when Walt came back and would look like he was 40. (laughs) So we're going to have a shot of brand. I don't care what show, the rest of our <laughs> podcasting lives are going to be referencing Lost. It doesn't oh, matter. It doesn't it's going to be, it's, we're going to have new actors that are the real Wallace for literally we're going to die <laughs> making that joke. We're going to oh, yeah. die. I'm going to be wearing a shirt saying I was the real Wallace in my, like, in my grave, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Definitely. <laughs> But uh, for next year, of course, I want to see what goes on with Jon Snow. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't show us till the end of the premiere episode or, like, episode two and really leave us hanging. Um, I just hope uh, Dario and Jorah don't go to Dorne. I hope that's not where they're going because <laughs> that would be – that would. Really, but, but I really want to see if what happens with Marcella, if that does start a war because they talked about – you know, Jamie's like, well, I, I came here secretly and want to start a war. Well, this is going to start a war. So I don't know if the, if the new mountain is going to be unleashed on Dorn or I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. So I hope that storyline is paid off more and we get something interesting. Um, I'm kind of upset Danny and Tyrion are now separated, but because uh, I really thought Tyrion upped her game in those scenes that they did. So, and of course, I mean, I'm a fan of the North, so I, I'm really, I, I, I hope the, I mean, again, now with John possibly dead, there's 49 people left. There's no way the wildlings <laughs> would be able to take him out. So I'm like, I'm thinking the wildlings got to become big. Uh, I mean, because it's really going towards, I mean, it may not be to the final season, but White Walkers versus humans seem to be the end game. I mean, you would think we still got a lot of politics going on, but I think it's all the pieces are moving to see who's going to come. I mean, does everyone come together? I mean, Littlefinger, what, what the, is he going to go after the Boltons now? What's going on with him? I love how he just disappears and just so, yeah. So I'm looking forward to uh, season six. Of course, we got a long way. I do have to exit Mr. Mikey Hall, but I want to say, Thank you for doing this. I, this is really awesome to hear everyone. And uh, DJ Timmy Hines, you know, my heart's with you in your basement, brother. And, <laughs> thanks, and of course, Quentin, Joe, and Tracy, awesome stuff. 
All right. Thank you very much, Snello. We appreciate it, man. You've been great all season. Every time I'm listening to a Snello podcast, I'm like, is he paying attention? And then the very next second, you say the smartest thing I've heard in a week. So I don't understand. Like, you keep me on my toes, Pete. I love it, man. I never know exactly where you're going. But you never get out of a segment without giving me some gems, including your 12-minute drunk rant. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I do it for the fans. You know, I realize since I turned, since I turned 40, you know, uh, you can't let anything bother you. It's all good fun and comedy, and we can't take this stuff way too seriously. I mean, we love the show, but the key is we're all having fun. And, you know, what? We, we've got a great community, and I'm glad that a lot of people have come over from Podcast Winterfell. And, you know, thanks for Matt for letting us do, giving us the, kind of the idea to do Podcast Littlefell, and thank God we had, when, when Podcast Winterfell went under, thank God we, it was almost like it was meant to happen. So I'm hoping we can keep it going, and we got a great crew, and all of you listening and stuff, thank you so much. We do, it, we do it because we love talking to each other, but we also do it because we love hearing what you guys think, and it's a great community. So awesome stuff. Thank you and very thank much. Thank you, Mikey Hall. I love you, Mikey Hall. <laughs> I love you too, Snello. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay, buddy. Bye. Sarah Gales. Alright, I just want to say uh, fuck that. I miss Matt. I wish he would start watching the show and talking about it again because he's better at this than the rest of us. So, uh, <laughs> not to contradict Snello, but uh, and I am really happy that everybody's listening, but I miss Matt. Uh, all right, let's finish up. Uh, Quentin, do you have a like a Twitter handle or something if people want to talk to you? If not, if you want to hide from everybody, that's fine with me. I totally understand. Uh, and any final thoughts you want to get out? Yeah, a, a couple. Well, first, thank you so much for bringing the Fan Colin show back. And I'm also really glad Heath is going to stick around. I was going to give him the old say it ain't so, Heath, when I heard <laughs> What are you thinking? But uh, a couple of thoughts. I want to see Cersei. I, even though I know Cersei's been awful, I want to see her unleash all seven hells upon her enemies. And then, <laughs> please, please, please release those other two core dragons. They've been in there way too long. They're going crazy. Get them out. All right. I love and then your suggestion. If you, if, yeah, and if anyone wants to talk to me, don't know why, but I'm at, at the Uncle Q. All right, the Uncle Q, very good. Thank you very much for calling in. I very much appreciated your time and your thoughts and, and uh, your attention and energy and all that stuff. Joe, how about the same for you? Any last-minute thoughts? Any uh, contact information you want to put out? Uh, uh, my Twitter is at Bertuzzi Punch. Uh, but uh, maybe this the Tyrion and uh, Varys, I... I that's going to be pretty awesome, I think, next year, having those two together. And uh, uh, I think Tyrion's pretty smart, and he's going to be able to fish these, uh, these uh, what are they, harpies? Yeah, away from yeah. uh, Marine. So, and with the help of Varys there, and I don't know, maybe they'll bring someone else to help him, but I think that'll be pretty exciting. I think uh, Tyrion is due for a big season, so I think he's been kind of slow the last couple, well, maybe... Just this year, I guess. I think, but yeah, I think uh, running old city is pretty much right up his alley. And uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Bron can get over there and have all three of them together. Would be pretty sweet. 
but I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Uh, thanks for I, having the talk show again, though. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure how this was going to go or if anybody was going to call, but I really uh, I feel like this has gone very well. I appreciate everybody's uh, comments. Do you have a uh, Twitter handle? Or did you... I agree. Bring back Matt. Do you have a Twitter handle or anything else? I'm so mad that he's gone. It does, it's, I just don't get it. I don't. Uh, he should be back. <laughs> you should plow through it like the rest of us. It's hard for everybody. <laughs> I love Matt. We're, we're gonna. We're just. This is a pure love fest for Matt. So that's uh, that's all we got for this one. But let's uh, right. talk to Tracy. Uh, oh, did I? Did you? Did he say a Twitter handle or did he not want to? Oh, I think he gave it. Oh, Joe, did you say that already and then just getting loose in the head? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, it's that at Bertuzzi Punch? Oh, you're going to have to spell that, though. B-E-R-D-U-Z-Z-1, or I, I mean, and then P-U-N-C-H. Bertuzzi Punch. Bertuzzi Punch, yeah. You heard it here. Thank you very much for calling in. Tracy, uh, uh, yeah, definitely. How can people contact you? And uh, do you have any last thoughts on the uh, on the ch- on the chat this evening? Um, well, again, I'll just echo their feelings. It's kind of fun to get back in on a fan call in. It's been a while. Definitely missing Matt, but I think you did a, a great job. You know, we didn't really miss a beat getting all back together. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, hey, to a uh, DJ Timmy Hines. Haven't talked to him in a while. He let me know about it tonight, so thanks a lot. My, uh, Glad you came out. You my, came out. my East Coaster in chief over here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little too L.A. sometimes, you know, so I got I to gotta hear from, from you. Um, so I really am looking for – I want this next season to be kind of dark. So I'm, I want to see – change like I want to see people starting to face some harsh realities right like I need winter to come and I need people to kind of have to get stronger get better I need I want Sansa to kind of like get some you know assuming she's okay (laughs) uh, get some agency and like really take control and I want to see Cersei learn a little bit I'm okay with her having some power again if she can learn so maybe maybe I'm asking for too much there I think I might be (laughs) well but you started off with dark you know so I think you set the bar low to begin with and then you get yourself a high (laughs) bar you know so you're gonna land somewhere in the middle um, if anybody wants to tweet at me about a song of ice and fire or harry potter um I'm at Tracy two E's, so that's T R A C E E, the number two, and then E Z. All right, very good. I really appreciate you calling in, uh, and you know, I don't know exactly what the we haven't sussed out the exact future of podcast Little Fell and the fan call in and all this kind of stuff. It just seemed like I just, as a person who always listened to Winterfell and and that's the one that got me into this whole you know, reading the books. And, I mean, as, you know, somebody who always really enjoyed the fan call-in, I just was super bummed that there wasn't going to be one 
So especially, like, the season end, I mean, fine. We're not going to have one for episode seven, fine. But the season end, like, come on, that's crazy. I just couldn't stomach it, and I'm sure that, you know, a lot of you all felt the same. So, you know, I appreciate you calling in, and and we're going to see kind of how things work out between now and next season, but I can't imagine we won't be doing this again. So thank you very much. Um, Let me... Ask DJ Tim Hines, what do you think next season is going to look like, and what are you looking forward to? Well, the what I'm looking forward to the most about next season is continuing podcast Littlefell because my agent right now is trying to get me re-signed to season the next season of podcast Littlefell, <laughs> and it's just I, I, what I really hope happens is that Matt decides to get HBO again, watch the show. And get back involved because Mike, you know, we did this in honor of Matt basically because he, you know, he hosts so well. And Mike, you were you were top notch tonight. You really, really handled it well, especially for your first time hosting something like this. Um, you know, a bunch of talk talk shoe clowns that we are, but <laughs> you know, it, you really you did a good job. Um, and I, we did need this. This was absolutely necessary because there's a lot of the community that just still wants a little more and wants to hear other people's thoughts. And, you know, the same five guys every week, you know, gets a little, eh, you know, we need different opinions. We need a little need a little Jersey in there, a little New York, a little, <laughs> little British Columbia. We get it all over the place. You know, the, the world is watching. The world is listening. And, you know, we, don't, we didn't immediately jump off with the fan base that Winterfell had built. Um, but we did get a really good response. A lot of people downloading, a lot of people corresponding with us at Podcast L, which is Littlefell's Twitter handle. Anytime you guys want to talk about anything, you know, we got BRs, MBRs in the crew. Well, you know, somebody will be able to answer you with a cool answer. Hopefully something that, you know, will help you out. I'm down for the off season for whatever we do. I'm, you know, I'm going to try to stay involved. Um, yeah, just it, it's been a good season. I, I, you know, there'll be more coming. Hopefully, we do a few one-offs here and there. Um, you know, until then, you know, have a good off season, everybody, and we look forward to hearing from you. You can hit me up individually, personally at DJ Tim Hines, and like Tracy, how she's got two E's, I got two M's. So that's how we get down at DJ Tim Hines on Twitter, uh, or just hit up Podcast L, and uh, we'll talk about it. Thanks again, Mikey, and uh, thanks for everybody who called, who, who went in the chat, who listened, who tweet. Shout out to Q Poison, shout out to Iron Throne, shout out to Hamlet is Dead. I mean, we got so many really, really good people who communicate with us and who support the show. And shout out to Matt Murdick, Musical Concepts. He is the man. He, you know, if you book readers are still there, he's keeping the book series going. He's keeping the book stuff going. He opened the doors back into the podcasting after the loss and we found a new home and we're going to do him honor by continuing it. And, uh, yeah, and I, I really hope he does more of these historical comparison things. You know, I know he's not really listening to our stuff because we're talking TV show, but I hope he, uh, he does more of these historical comparisons because that podcast was really cool. <laughs> so, absolutely. You know. Thanks again, Mike. I really appreciate you hosting very good. Yeah. Job. 
This has been great, man. Thank you very much for calling in and, and uh, jumping on to uh, podcast Little Fell. Like right off the bat, Tim Hines was uh, was one of the first people to respond and say, "Let's keep going," you know, and, and be enthusiastic about this. And I uh, I very much appreciate your encouragement, man. So everybody, check out podcast L. I am uh, at Fifth Column Film on. Twitter, I'm pretty easy to find if you're following all the rest of these folks. And uh, thank you very much for calling in. Like I said, I'm not sure exactly what the future is of Podcast Littlefell, but we are on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. You can follow, you know, you can subscribe to the podcast. So when things are coming out in the future, I know Axel and Heap are going to do another Podcast Littlefell, how Littlefell originally started with the two of them. I know they're going to do a, a year in season and wrap up as well. Uh, so, you know, you can subscribe and download us uh, whatever we end up doing in the future. So, thank you very much for calling in. Podcast L on Twitter. Game of Thrones kicks ass.